Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Star Wars Splash Page Comics in Review. It is episode number 248 and Jeff? Jeff? Where are you, Jeff? 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 Geek me all knowing box sets stay open May 4th I'm hoping Luke gonna be hot as before Cause red looks hardcore and I don't want Sith running the galaxy There's no Jeff around. Oh, that's right. You know why? Because the dog scared him away. No. Uh, the reason being is Jeff is moving house this week. And as a result, he has no internet access. And uh, we don't like recording on mobile phones because the quality, uh, you know, the quality that to which you have already grown accustomed to is being very poor would be even poorer if it was just on phone. So it is just me for this episode. And what an episode it is because we have, goodness gracious almighty, four comics. We've got War of the Bounty Hunters, number three of five. Star Wars Adventures, number eight. We have Star Wars, number 16. And we have The High Republic Adventures, number seven. But first, why don't we start off with a little bit of news. Well, we don't have the full solicits yet for November from uh, Marvel uh, and, Star- and IDW, uh, you know, with ter- in terms of final order cutoff and release dates. But... We do know, thanks to CBR, which got an early look at IDW's uh, Star Wars comics covers, that we are getting a Star Wars Adventures Annual 2021 that features Jackson. We're getting a Star Wars Adventures number 12 with a Luke Skywalker story and an Asajj Ventress backup story. Uh, and <laughs> looks really good. Uh, and then in the pages of uh, the High Republic Adventures... Uh, we are getting a a great cover by a a, a favorite of ours here at Splash Page, uh, of course, uh, uh, Nicoletta Baldari, uh, which features Yoda and Court taking a stroll on what we think might be Takodana. We're not entirely sure, so but we will find out. Uh, it looks really good. Uh, the great thing about that Star Wars Adventures Annual Number Twenty Twenty One, it features stories by Kevin Scott. And Chips Zdarsky, so that's going to be a whole lot of fun. That's going to be a blast. I've been, I've, been, I myself have been hungering, I mean literally hungering, for a uh, 
Chip Zdarsky written Star Wars story. And I think he was actually supposed to write one for Marvel that never really panned out for some reason or another. Uh, but it's neither here nor there because now we are finally getting one. So uh, you can check, of course, uh, the Facebook page and the Twitter feed for those details on those solicits and those covers as well. Uh, it is very much worth your time in doing so. Uh, we also have covers for our second printing of War of the Bounty Hunters, Jabba the Hutt. Uh, it is a character development uh, sheet featuring Deva Lompop, of course, you know, who made her uh, debut in that one shot. And then we also have uh, the second printing variant for the High Republic number no. 7 cover, uh, which, of course, features art by uh, Georges Gentil, Carl Story, and Annalisa Leone. Uh, was not one of the pages that we had predicted might be it, but uh, we are still very satisfied with what we saw. Uh, and, of course, uh, we should have even more details uh, later this week on both the Facebook page and the Twitter page when we do get the full solicits from Marvel and IDW. So, uh, that's really basically it for now in terms of the news. Uh, however, why don't we dive in and take a look at these amazing and plentiful Star Wars comics this week. We'll get started with the IDW titles first. Uh, up, up, of, Coming up first, we have Star Wars Adventures number 8. Uh, glad to see that IDW uh, seems to have gotten back onto its publishing schedule. Uh, there have been no missed deadlines of late. And, of course, the story uh, is, you know, the continuation from Star Wars Adventures number 7, uh, and it features Luke and Leia. And then we have a, another, another great backup story uh, that's set uh, in the, uh, the Clone Wars era. Uh, main cover, of course, is by Francesca Francavia, and it shows Luke and Leia with beautiful uh, hues of yellow and blue. Uh, and then uh, Ariana Florian has a, a really awesome uh, Count Dooku uh, cover, which is cover B. Uh, and then, of course, there is a retailer incentive cover from Franco Frank Francesco Francavia, which is the black and white main cover. Uh, creative team on this one, of course. Uh, the Princess and the Bog, a twin tale part two, written by Sam Maggs, with art by Liana Kangas, colors by Brittany Peer, and letters by Johanna Natalie. The backup story is called Trade Relations. It's written by Danny Lore, with art by Ariana Florian, colors by Rhonda Pattison, and letters again by Johanna Natalie. Assistant editor on this book is Riley Farmer. Editor on this issue is Heather Antos, who is uh, comfortably uh, taking, uh, taking the editor's seat for RDW's Star Wars comics. From Lucasfilm, we've got Robert Simpson, the senior editor, Michael Siglane, the creative director, the art director is Troy Alders. From the Lucasfilm Art Department, we have Phil Shostak. And from the story group, we've got Matt Martin, Pablo Hidalgo, and Emily Shkukani. Now, uh, as we said, Princess and the Bog, a twin tale. Uh, this is part two, and we are on Bog Wild. And what's happened, you know, is uh, we get this great uh, uh, look at Luke and Leia, and it's almost like they've been reversed, in a sense. Uh, and they are both ruminating, because Leia, of course, is searching for a new location for the Rebel base. Uh, Luke is uh, on Bogano, because the Force led him here. <laughs> and, uh, and while they're both there, much to each other's surprise, you know, they have found each other not realizing that they were there, uh, they are finding that there are some creatures on the planet... Uh, that are being uh, gathered up by Imperial Stormtroopers. And, uh, it, and it, it, this tale has almost, to me, a, a little fuzzy vibe, which was written by H. Bean Piper, which I mentioned when we talked about Star Wars Adventures number 7. Uh, and the art here by Liana is just 
I love this art. It's uh, it's not too detailed, but it's not too uh, broad either. And the way Brittany Peer has colored uh, Liana's uh, illustration here, it has this wonderfully subtly muted patina, and and it's like you know it's like reading a graphic novel almost in a sense. It's not not quite as glossy, but it feels more relatable. Uh, and of course, the letters by Johanna Natalie really really sparkle uh, and and punch and and make it uh, easy to follow the storyline. Uh, and of course, the stormtroopers, you know, are like. Wow, this is going to mean a big day, a big payday on the black market. A brand new species, yeah, totally. And you know, and the boss will never know. So we've got some imperial stormtroopers who are skirting imperial regulations. They want to sell these little creatures. Uh, obviously, make a mint uh, on the side, uh, of course. You know, which contravenes probably everything they've been taught. Uh, you know, as 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 imperial soldiers. Uh, but with Luke and Leia on the scene, that's not likely going to happen. So Luke and Leia sort of get together and they try to hatch up a plan. Uh, and of course, Leia, ever the strategist, is like, "Come on, we got to do this." And Luke is like, "Huh, a plan?" And just how much time is that going to take? Uh, and <laughs> Luke is getting uh, almost the warm fuzzies with some of these creatures, which is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and and they're sort of throwing each other back and ideas back and forth. You know, Leia's like too risky. You know, and then Luke's like, "Well, you know, it's you know we need we need to do it quickly." And so Leia steps up. She goes, "All right, here's what I'm thinking." First, we've got to make sure all our flanks are covered. We'll have to do the reconnaissance on all the troops, and if we give them too much room for movement, we're doomed. Uh, and, uh, and of course, you know, Leia is very much in her element. You know, she is a strategist, uh, she is a soldier, and she is a leader. But Luke is kind of like, you know, he's having thoughts like, yeah, this isn't going to really work for me. And while he's doing this, you know, there, of course, is the Star Wars chessboard going on in the background, which, so you kind of get the idea of where he is. Uh, and he just, he, he's got a better idea. He wants to be more direct. Why don't we just run in there, blasters blazing? And she's like, no, we can't do that. He's like, well, why not? Because that's something Han would do. It's a great way to get killed. And she does have a point. And, of course, Luke responds, your way might be too. You don't know. And meanwhile, the little creatures are sort of dancing around a little and kind of like, hey, we're here, we're here. Uh, you know, and then all of a sudden Luke gets a boom. And he realizes, I don't need the Force to understand that message. We need to compromise. So, and that's what they do. And we get some great panel work here where we see the two of them looking at each other. You know, they both say, fine. So Leia says, you take left flank, I'll take right. And Luke says, in whatever way we want. And then they say again together jointly, let's do this. <laughs> and, and, you know, so that's what they do. They sort of surprise the troopers and Lucas, drop those fuzzies in the name of the rebellion. And Leia says, you will not harm a single creature on this planet or any other. And of course, the stormtroopers are like, rebels, end them. And we get a, you know, Leia gets a blast off because remember, throughout it all, Leia shot first. She did. That's the hill I'm ready to die on. <laughs> you know, so she fires and Luke's like, wait, don't forget, you know, and, and Luke tries to draw the stormtrooper's attention by saying, well, don't forget about me. Hey, get him! And then Leia drops and then Luke ignites his saber and we get a really great two-page spread where we see, uh, you know, kind of how, how Luke and Leia are uh, affecting this plan in real time. Uh, and it's almost like a step-by-step, -step, and we see a lot of, a lot of uh, stormtrooper laser bolts being deflected by Luke's lightsaber. We see Leia running, a running around. We see the creatures trying to stay out of the fray without getting hit. We see troopers going down, uh, and then it looks like it's over. Then we turn the page, and you fought well, rebel scum. <gasps> you know, and then they, you know, the stormtrooper comes up and just shoves them and knocks, you know, both Luke's uh, saber to the ground and Leia's pistol to the ground. 
and and then we get to see you know, this sort of internal monologue. Getting knocked out cold is never on my non-agenda agenda. And then we see the trooper going, but the Empire always wins. Always wins. And he pulls out the blaster, and we're looking at him from uh, what I believe is Leia's point of view. And he's got the gun right on her forehead, uh, you know, aiming for her head. And he's about to fire, and then all of a sudden, smack! And we see what looks to be a large, winged, protubering tail. And yes, it is, because it turns out uh, there was another beastie on the planet of Bogano. Uh, and, you know, so Leia gets up, wakes up Luke. Come on, you'll get... Did we beat them? And he's like, no way. And, and then we see him say, well, I don't like to exaggerate a lot, but this has got to be one of the best days of my life. And, you know, because he sees all the little fuzzies. Uh, he's petting and petting and petting, and there's an enormous sort of dragon thing, which is kind of symbiotically attached to them in a way. And this is great because, you know, we get Leia going, all right, that was an okay compromise, so I guess we could make one more. We shouldn't make a new rebel base here. And Luke is like, really? And Leia, you know, of course, you know, says, look, the rebellion protects the innocent, like you said. We can't risk these little guys getting caught up in our war. And Luke says, we'll find a spot for the base soon. I know we will. And Leia says, now can we? And Luke says, yes, yes. <laughs> And then we get this great little page of, you know, Luke going, you're all free. And Leia's like, fuzzies, welcome to the rebellion. Uh, you know, and so it's just lots of, uh, you know, lots of, you know, petting of, of cute of cute little creatures. And the, uh, the dragon-like creature, I think, is kind of interesting because he almost kind of reminds me of the, of the creature from the never-ending story, in a way. So, but, uh, you know, ultimately the story is about what it's like to, to plan on the fly and to make compromise, uh, you know, so that you can attain a common goal. And that's how we close off. You know, we see Luke and Leia lifting off from the planet with a whoosh, which looks kind of, kind of like a 50s diner. Uh, 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 light, light, light board, if you will. Uh, neon, neon sign, that's what I'm trying to say. So, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and so we're off again, back on the hunt for a new rebel base. And I'll go where Leia tells me this time. Ooh, I wonder if it'll be a planet with nicer weather. Uh, this is your narrator. It won't be. <laughs> so, and, and we cut to, you know, Luke in his cockpit, and he's got one of the little creatures. I sure hope those little guys will be okay down there. And then we look to, to Leia in, in, her, in, the, in her cockpit, and she's got a little creature, unbeknownst to either one of them, uh, in her cockpit with her behind her. And she says, they seem like survivors. I'm sure they'll just be fine. So pleasant little story, very engaging, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, aside of Luke and Leia, we don't really get to see too much in the more serious stories. Uh, but he's still always a blast. The backup story, of course, is great fun because it uh, it goes to a, a level uh, of depth that we sometimes don't see in Star Wars adventures. And essentially what we are is we are on uh, Rylori Minor, which is a neutral mining planet in the western uh, reaches. Uh, and the clone troopers are there, uh, and, and uh, you know we get we get some great dialogue here because you know we have this what looks to be an onlooker, you know, uh, a woman from the planet. Pardon me for saying so, soldier, but you seem tense. Uh, that's just old jumpy man. He can't help himself. Well, I've been told more than a few times I'm a little too alert, hence the nickname. <laughs> so, and she's well. There's nothing to worry about today, jumpy. It's just a hammering down a trade agreement, nothing more. Materials from the mine in exchange for unimpeded access to Republic space. 
And then that's where we meet our cast here. Mayor Lup, thank you for meeting me. I'm excited to get to business today. A rush, huh? I suppose we're just that unimportant to the Republic. All right, so we've got some local attitude, but not necessarily justified. And she's like, excuse me? It's nothing of the sort. I, I assure you. I, I simply thought, look, I know what our council has voted on, and I will not go against my people. But that includes not letting some smarmy, stuck-up representative of the Republic treat all treat us like blurgs. Blurg droppings. Are we clear? And she's like, well, you know, the Republic has no desire. That's how your types always start, isn't it? And, you know, as, as they're engaging here, we cut back to a panel. And we see a bearded man in a green hood in the foreground. His lips are pursed. His eyes are focused. And we cut deeper and we see him gripping what looks to be almost like a, a vibro baton. And that's when uh, one of the troopers goes, hey there. And you know, so he pushes, you know, they, they, they rush to protect the senator, bring her to the ground uh, as well as the mayor. Because this guy lunges and tries to attack. And, you know, caught in that is, you know, another woman who's in a blue jacket. And the trooper, the clone troopers, are you okay? Oh, I think so. And then, of course, the orders are given. Take him down, Lieutenant. Already on it, sir. And so they give chase. Uh, and, of course, they're running through the mining complex. Uh, there are uh, hover droids carrying rock that's being mined. The, the trooper fires and uh, levels, uh, levels one of the mining droids so that it tilts and loses its load and sort of impedes the guy's progress. And they arrest him. And the senator is like, you're sure? 100%, ma'am. This isn't made locally. The colors are right, but it looks like it was made on Coruscant. But there's no one trading from here to Coruscant yet. I knew it! And then, this is the mayor. And, uh, of course, the senator says, Mayor Lup, I'm sure there's something. A Republic assassin trying to execute me? The one thing standing between our independence and being consumed by the Galactic Republic? I will not sit here and listen to your lies! And while this is going on, <laughs> you know, uh, one of the troopers is treating the other woman, you know, Mayor Lup, I'm sorry, but they did save us. And this is the woman that the, tro the trooper is treating. If the senator wanted us dead out, that seems like a bad attempt uh, to which the senator replies, she's absolutely correct. You've done nothing, and, and the Republic has no reason to want you dead. Not as we attempt to open trade relations. And she says, would it help assuage your concern if I assign one of my troopers as a temporary personal guard until we've left? So you can have your assassins at my shoulder? Bah! I don't even want them in the negotiations. To which the senator says, oh, if it, it'll make things easier, I'll have them wait outside. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the trooper looks at the senator. I shouldn't have said anything about the cloak. No, no, it was a good catch. Good eye. Don't worry about him. I'll handle that. It's all politics, and I am very good at those. And then, of course, we see three of the troopers outside of the negotiations with some of the dialogue. That is unacceptable, Senator. It is a standard trade agreement currently enacted with no fewer than 27 planetary governments. <sighs> so one of the help, you know, the, the, the young lady whom the uh, trooper was uh, giving first aid to comes out with some refreshments going, thought you could use some water. The troopers, of course, are, are very grateful. And she's like, you're really going to be out here all night, huh? Well, as long as they're meeting. <sighs> I'm so sorry that this is as difficult as it is. This trade agreement, it could really change Arcania, you know, Arcania Miner's entire economy. We all want it. The mayor is just frustrated that we need it. Looks like someone isn't interested in the agreement. Yeah, I just... I suppose not, or maybe it's got nothing to do with this trade deal. The timing is too convenient for it to be about something else. You think? And the trooper's like, yeah, if you ask me. The other trooper says, well, look, I just think it was weird that... This was a professional, and he didn't go for either banking, poli either ranking politician. Now, which, of course, then we hear some noise. Russell, Russell, do you hear that? 
And boom, there's another attack, and the young woman in question gets grabbed by somebody in another cloak while the troopers are standing around. So, and then gets thrown onto a speeder bike and taken away. So the troopers subdue the other, uh, uh, one of the other, uh, you know, would-be kidnappers, and you know, while they tussle with another, and another trooper goes after the woman who's been taken away. Uh, you know, and you know, and and as 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 he catches up, the troopers like, "Can you drive a speeder bike? What? Can you drive? Ah, forget it. He just he cold cocks the guy on the back of the speeder, knocks him off, uh, and just says, "Go let everyone know you're safe. I've got this." Uh, and you know, he turns back around and comes back to fight the guy he's knocked off the speeder bike, uh, who's holding a looks to be like a vibro baton. Uh, he shoots him, misses. Uh, they go into hand to hand struggle. Uh, and then, of course, they are now, you know, he does finally subdue him. And meanwhile, back in the negotiations, you know, the mayor is, what do you mean they're local? How do you know? Well, I've seen that one before more than once. He's asked questions at your office. There's no way, uh, you know, and that's uh, that's uh, the woman who had been kidnapped because she's saying that. And, you know, and then one of the other the trooper who comes back with the guy that he had cold cocked is like, I'm sure they all have something to say when they're questioned. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know. And then, of course, you know, as they're leaving, uh, you know, it's it's kind of odd. You know, we're not entirely sure the state of negotiations, but the trooper says to the senator, they should have taken you up on the offer of Republic resources, sir. Uh, and, of course, the senator's like, well, I'm just relieved that we had enough proof it wasn't a Republic kidnapping attempt to get them to commit to the trade agreement. I didn't want to push our luck. And back on the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the clone shuttle, you did good today, Jumpy. Sorry for not trusting your instincts. No problem, CT2. Just glad that it's done. And this is where it gets really good. These final three panels, they really sort of change the timbre of the story. Because it's uh, the young girl, again, the one who was kidnapped. Uh, and she is clearly having a hollow conversation. The Republic representatives have left, my lord. The agreement is in place, word for word, as we discussed. And the kidnappers? They all believed it. Mayor Lupp and the Senator have placed me in charge of logistics for the trade. Perfect. And you will use this encrypted channel to continue updating me on the situation. Well, there was one trooper who almost may have suspected. Is he on the ship back? Ah, do not concern yourself with him. He will be easy enough to find. And she, you know, as, as, he, as that voice says that, it pulls back to the final panel. It's Count Dooku. Of course, Count Dooku. And then we have the end. <laughs> so, uh, you know, solid story. Uh, you know, not too uh, too jumpy, not too big, but still quite enjoyable. Uh, and again, solid work. So looking forward to that one. Uh, just uh, looking ahead, Star Wars Adventures number nine, the lead story. It's a Mace Windu story. So get ready for it. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun, actually. So there we go. <sighs> Now, in the High Republic Adventures, number seven, we are finding that things are going from bad to worse for Court, Farzala, and the crew of the vessel on their secret diplomatic mission. Uh, vicious saboteurs have attacked, dangerous creatures are emerging from the dark, and Farzala is going to have to face his deepest fears if he is to save the day. This is part two of Mission to Bilbusa, written by Daniel Jose Older. Art by Harvey Tulabau of Magnus Arts. Colors by Rebecca Nalty. Letters by Jake M. Wood. Assistant editor is, of course, Riley Farmer. And editor is Heather Antos. 
Same crew for the Lucasfilm crew, uh, with the exception of Jason D. Stein is part of the story group. And we open up, and we see uh, this is Farzala uh, with some uh, some memories and recollections. You know, our favorite hero of old, Jedi Master Tal Bota, would face down whole armies all by himself. At least that's how they showed him on the Holos that we'd watch over and over as younglings, even though our actual real-life Jedi Master said we should be really studying instead. Master Talbota was never afraid. He didn't even fear death. And when we imagined the Jedi we would become one day, we didn't have any fear either. And of course, we see them as very, you know, as younglings, and they're so cute. And then his exposition ends with Farzala, an exterior, an, ex an external shot of him in a cage. Ha! How little we understood of the galaxy. So right then and there, right away, we can tell this is going to be a somewhat somber issue with some serious overtones, uh, which is no surprise because the High Republic Adventures is not afraid to go that way. And so we find ourselves in a dungeon in Belbusa on Nalhada. And Farzala has been caged up and the coloring here is this sort of greenish hue and it gives you a sense of the desperation that he's feeling uh, and the way Harvey has drawn Farzala is you can see the concern on Farzala's face the lingering not resentment but vexing concern of am I going to be saved uh, we get a little exposition here it sort of brings us back uh, while Farzala is in his cage very quietly with, you know, uh, curled up, not, you know, not so much curled up, but sitting, you know, with his knees bent, his head facing down. The Huts have had me and our pilot, Leox Giasi, locked up for at least a day now? I've lost track. Court and the others are in the ship, but something must have gone wrong because it attacked the Hut Palace right when we were in the middle of peace talks. My master, Obertuk Glee, is with them, but he's in some kind of hibernation, and I am alone. Down below, it's too dark to see, but something lurks. Several somethings. I can feel them, their hunger and their viciousness. Sometimes I hear them rustling around, gnashing their teeth. But the worst part is, I'm afraid. And Jedi aren't supposed to be afraid. Then he goes on to say, So many Jedi have gone missing or have been killed fighting the Nile and Dringier these past months. We see, you know, you know Lodenstone, Yoda... Masters Jorah, Mali, and Rob Orochi dead, among many others. And Masters Yoda and Loden Greatstorm vanished without a trace. Everyone thinks Master Loden's dead, and Master Yoda? Who knows? It's my memories of them I should be turning to for guidance. Not some holodrama, but who? Who did I turn to ask about fear? Of course, my own master, Obertuk Lee. And then we go to a flashback. And we see a decidedly wide awake Obertuk Glee <laughs> with his three eyes. Uh, ah, young Farzala, you are afraid, you say. Let me tell you, fear is not the enemy. Huh? And they're on a much cleaner, vibrant, brighter world. Uh, and Farzala is sitting next to uh, Obertuk, who's uh, you know supported by his many tentacles. But then we cut to the vessel the ship that uh, Farzala was aboard and we are in the now and we have the uh, the Hutt's troopers are on board listen you scarf pod norflers 
We gotta find that weird little Jedi and a girl, and, and that rock. Don't forget the rock. Ah, it is indeed a thrilling escapade amongst the infinite stars, with villains to be dispatched and planets to save. That's the droid, and even the Hutt's uh, troopers are like, what is going on with our droid? Yeah, 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 the rock thing too. Round him up, make it quick. We gotta get back to Bill Boosin and make sure the Jedi don't stay to help Skarabda fight the Dringir. Jabba gave us explicit instructions, and he'll feed us to the Rancors if this goes sour. Now split up! All right, all right, sheesh. And then, of course, the droid is, To destroy the vile villains, we shall serve thee well, Torvor. Love this droid. And, of course, we cut back to still on board the vessel, and they're going room to room. Uh, you know, and this is the uh, the hut, uh, you know, Jabba's, uh, Jabba's uh, minions. Come out, come out, little jerks. Unless you're the rock thing, then just stay perfectly still, please. Uh, because Geode is causing some consternation amongst the, uh, the raiders here. Uh, and we see Court... And he's, it looks like he makes a noise. And then, of course, you know, the the hut, uh, you know, Jabba's uh, minion notices. Huh? What was that? Yeah, never mind. And then we go back to another flashback, and it's Farzala. And it's a conversation he's having with his master. I, I thought fear was the enemy, that it leads to the dark side. Hey, we've heard that before, haven't we? Yes, yes, all this is true, young Farzala, but fear is also one of the great teachers, you know. I, I don't understand. How could one to expect? Oh, how can one expect to overcome something they've never experienced? Hmm? I. How can we learn about something we've never felt? We cannot let fear rule us. Hmm? But we are fools if we think we'll never feel it. Each time we feel fear, it is an opportunity to become better at overcoming fear. And this memory jogs something in Farzala. So we come back to the present in the cage. You know, we see his companions in other cages, and Farzala is starting to act. He's got his hand through the bars, going, Hah! and of course, you know, Leoxy is, Farzala, what are you doing? And then we, you know, turn the page. We're back on the vessel. I hate kids, and I hate Jedi. No amount of credits is worth putting up with both. And then he looks, and he sees boots under a curtain. Aha! He turns, and he fires! Fashoom, fashoom, fashoom! But it's a ruse and clack cack he is brained on his head by one of the crew and then we cut back to the dungeon but on this two-page spread the top and the bottom are lined with the flashback panels you know with the farzala talking to his master and then you know we have this great this great dialogue here. Do you know why I carry so many lightsabers, young Farzala? I always figured it was because you have so many arms. <laughs> it's a great laugh and it's a good line, too. No, each one was constructed in the memory of a Jedi Knight who was once one of my Padawans. Oh, oh no! Uh, when you live to be a thousand, young Farzala, you must learn to watch those you care about grow old and die. But this is what it means to be a Jedi. It means we see the bigger picture. He's got a point. And Farzala asks, bigger picture? When someone dies, what do we say? Well, that they became one with the Force. It's not just a metaphor or poem, young Farzala, to make us feel better. Their passing gives life to the cosmic force from which the living force springs. The Force is real, yes? It moves through us. We feel it all around. Hmm? Yes, of course. I miss them all. But I cannot be sad that a loved one has become one with the greatest power in the galaxy. 
because they remain with us always through the force nor can I fear the moment that it happens to me you see and as we see this uh, this dialogue from from long ago we see Farzala swinging his cage back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, to give you an idea of what it's like, if you've ever seen the movie Time Bandits, there's a scene where the uh, the runaway Time Bandits are st stuck in floating cages. <laughs> so, and that's kind of what it reminds me of. Uh, and then Farzala understands. He goes, "I see, Master. On the day death comes for me, I will not fear it." And then we cut in close. But today will not be that day. And he breaks, you know, he collides, cage collides with another empty cage. And he's able to break three, break, th break through and break free. And he drops to the ground. And then, yes, there are tentacled creatures down there, but they do not appear to be Dringier. Uh, and then, of course, we get, you know, when you turn the page, we get a nice little galactic data file, which is on the huts. And it, you know, shows their hut ships and the planets of hut space, including Sirkon and Vodran and Klatuin, and we see some of the notable huts, uh, Scarabda, Jabba, and of course, Gracchus, who is not looking particularly cut in this illustration. <laughs> so, this may have been before he started working out. Uh, then we're back onto the vessel, and so again, some of uh, Jabba's pirates are trying to hunt everybody down. Lousy, stinking, inanimate mineral matter aggregates, and he's like, obviously he's hunting for Geode, Huh? Huh? And Court has ignited his blade and is immediately the, the, the hut uh, trooper, hut minion surrenders. Don't hurt me! And Court says something that we don't quite yet know. Uh, and then we find another one going, Wait! Wait! We're moving! Why are we heading back to Nalhutta? And there's Geode! <laughs> hey! There you are! Stop right there! And then of course, you know, uh, he's uh, got another gun on his back. How about you stop? Budzo, and then of course our rather eloquent, loquacious uh, hut droid shows up behind her. Or, as an alternative possibility, you stop, delinquent adolescent vagrant. Ahaha! <laughs> so, it's really interesting. So, and then uh, uh, we cut down to, uh, uh, you know, again, uh, back on, on the planet, and we have a massive battle scene going on with what looks to be. Uh, Dringier and crab-like creatures because uh, it's like, Talzar, watch out! Urk, get the vine! Help him! Huh? Whoa! Easy, sweet beastie! Easy! Ah! And what has happened here is Farzala has taken control of the rather large beastie that was underneath all the uh, cages. Uh, you know, and, uh, and of course she's like, you keep saving my life when I've done nothing but chase and imprison you. Confounding, isn't? Blixie, attack the Dringier! I'll be needing my saber, please, says Farzala. And if I refuse, well, so be it. And he uses the force to take it from her. Uh, her being, of course, uh, one of the uh, Nalhutta denizens uh, in the palace of uh, Skarabda. So they combine together, uh, he and Leoxi. Now, let's go see your master, says Farzala. I'm sure if we put our heads together, we can get to the bottom of whatever's happening. And she says, "I just, you just can't. Uh, okay, but wait. And of course, you know. <laughs> Leoxy. The kid's got spunk. You gotta hand it to him. And he really does. Farzala does have a lot of spunk. Meanwhile, back on the vessel, eloquent, loquacious droid. Ah, oh, what a blessed and momentous rendezvous with fate this has been. What a wild and serendipitous ride for a rugged fellowship of unusual characters. Alas, now I must dispose of York 
And as he says that, a lightsaber blade comes through him and through his uh, chest piece and rises up. Uh, although I am perfect, it seems I have slightly miscalculated as even more blades start to slice through him and finally cut him to shreds. And the sleeper has awakened. <laughs> and we get this great full page spread here, uh, illustrated by Harvey. And of course, uh, colored by Re Rebecca. Very well then, what did I miss? <laughs> He's holding one, two, three, four, five blades. Having made very quick work of the uh, eloquent loquacious droid. <laughs> so... Uh, he's missed quite a deal because, he, of course, as they had mentioned at the, at the top of the book, he had been in some sort of hibernation. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so now we cut back, and there is Jabba, who is lecturing uh, Scarabada. Given your inability to stem the Dringir in our own capital city, Scarabda, perhaps it would be wise for me to bring the main thrust of my forces to reinforce the palace. Oh, Jabba, give it time. I thought I might be able to lure the Jedi into helping us, but then they attacked. <sighs> and of course, Farzala shows up. Great, Scarabda, I swear to you that we had nothing to do with the attack on your palace. Huh? What is the meaning of this? Isn't he the Jedi saboteur? Says Jabba. Huh? He was accused of that, yes, but my head of security is with him. Do you believe him, Ishnar? And she looks at Farzala. I do, oh great, Scarabda, I do. If you let us track down my companion's ship, Great One, says Varzala, to which uh, Ishnar continues, we will then solve this problem. And they both say, together. And then Jabba is like, ah, it seems that won't be necessary. Or, or Skarabda says, ah, it seems this won't be necessary, since they've just raised us on comms. Greetings, mighty huts. I believe we have some prisoners that may be of interest to you. Gargo, Torgo, Kvar? Jabba, those are your toadies. You made it look like the Jedi attacked us so we wouldn't get their help fighting the Dringir. I should have known you were behind this sabotage, Skarabda says, pointing and shaking her hand animatedly at, ja at Jabba. And to which J Jabba says, Jedi lies. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, the Master says, Indeed. Seems he was hoping the Dringir attack on Bilbusa would destabilize things enough for him to get you out of power and drive a wedge in the hut Jedi Alliance. The truth is, those tall Bata stories, and this, of course, is as far as Allah, the truth is, those tall Bata stories have it all wrong. And his master says, again, you know, in the hollow message to Skarabda, we'll be arriving shortly. In the meantime, my Padawan is more than capable of speaking on behalf of the Jedi, right, Farzala? And then we have uh, Farzala's internal speech. The Jedi becomes a master by facing fear, not pretending we don't feel it. And the only way to do that is by realizing, and then we see the missing Jedi again, including Yoda. And Farzala says, The Jedi contingent with me will certainly help you deal with the Dringir infestation of Bilbusa Mighty Scarabda. And next time, when you want our help, just ask. And he's standing very tall and erect, backed up by everybody. And then we get his final thought of wisdom. And Farzala thinks that a true Jedi is never really alone. Ah, good solid story. If Jeff were here, he would be he would be talking about how much he enjoyed this, I think. So oh Jeff, I wish you were here. Maybe someday soon you'll bet you'll be back. 
So, uh, also of note uh, of this of this issue, at least uh, the digital copy, is, is it does contain a, a short preview of the just released uh, issue number one of the Monster of Temple Peak, uh, which we of course we reviewed last week. Uh, so that's always a lot of fun. So there you go. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back for the War of the Bounty Hunters, number three of five. Uh, this was delayed, uh, like I believe, a couple of weeks. Uh, not entirely sure why, but it was worth the wait because we uh, finally get the face-off between Darth Vader and Kira. Uh, and this has been a big build-up, and uh, I am pleased to say uh, right from the get-go that it, it does deliver. Uh, it's very interesting to read this one issue, and you're going to want to read this one before you read Star Wars number 16. Uh, anyway, this is called The Crimson Blade. And, uh, of course, uh, this one is written by Charles Soule, uh, illustrated by Luke Ross with David Messina, uh, colored by Niraj Menon with Guru EFX, uh, lettered by VC's Travis Lanham. Uh, the main cover is by Steve McNiven and Frank D'Armada, and there are variant covers by John Tyler Christopher. Uh, of course, John Cassidy and Dave Stewart have their uh, trading card variant covers. Uh, David Nakayama uh, has a variant cover, uh, as does Declan Shalvey. Uh, again, uh, the designer for the book is Carlos Lau. The editor for the book is Mark Panizia. Assistant editor is Tom Groneman. Uh, and again, for Lucasfilm, we have Robert Simpson, Troy Alders, Phil Shostak, Michael Siglain, Matt Martin, Pablo Hidalgo, and, of course, Emily Shkukani. Uh, and we open up uh, again you know, with uh, I, you know I, I do like the fact that they keep on including the crawl. You know, Boba Fett claimed the no, the bounty on Han Solo. Crimson Dawn stole Solo, <laughs> and Fett has been battling bounty hunters and criminals from Narshada to Tatooine to get to Kira's auction. Uh, and now Dave, Darth Vader has arrived to Crimson Dawn's big party, which is you know kind of the organization's coming out party, to claim Solo as his. And that is where we open up uh, on the frozen sea world of Jakara aboard the Vermilion, which is the fortress flagship of Crimson Dawn. And Vader, uh, flanked by death troopers, uh, you know, is continuing what we saw in the last issue. Transport Captain Solo to my flagship. If anyone interferes, kill them, including Jabba the Hutt. And Jabba is not happy to the fact that he just paid a million credits for Solo, uh, that Vader is waltzing right in to take his prize. Lord Vader, you know I have great respect for you and the Empire, but I have already laid claim to Han Solo. He is my property. Of course, what we're seeing while this is happening in the wings, hidden away, is Boba Fett, and he is joined by Lando, Chewbacca, and Leia. And Boba is very upset about the fact that, he's, you know, that he had Solo stolen from him. And he replies uh, you know, to, to Lando, Leia, and Chewie, both those fools are wrong. Solo's mine. And, of course, Lando is having a good time here, sort of uh, needling Boba Fett. Yeah? And what are you going to do about it, Fett? Get between Darth Vader and Jabba the Hutt to stake your claim? You're the only fool I see. 
Say that again, Calrissian. See what happens next. Hmm. A lot of powerful people here. All after the same thing. And Leia takes umbrage. Han Solo is not a thing. He's not to be bought, and he's not to be sold. You're not going to get him, and neither will any of these other people. I am bringing him home. Chewie, take him down, but quietly. And Chewie, you know, flares his teeth. And Fett does not even look back. He just says, sure, Chewbacca, we can do that. But you should probably know something first. Uh, we turn the page, and there's Kira, again, on the balcony, watching the exchange between Vader uh, and Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> so, and her, she's asked by her attendant, Lady Kira, how did Lady Lord Vader even hear about the auction? Vader has a reputation for acting independently, Margot. It doesn't matter how he found us. If it comes to it, I know how to handle a Sith Lord. So, that's very intriguing. Uh, you know, given the fact that she has taken Crimson Dawn over from the former Darth Maul, who was at one time a Sith Lord. Does this mean that she has encountered other Sith Lords, or is it just an oblique reference to what transpired between she and Maul? We don't know yet. In the next panel, we see Sana and Dr. Aphra, of course, who are also here. Uh, Dr. Aphra does not want to be found. <laughs> she... She is, she is trying to make haste to get out of the main ballroom and as far away from Darth Vader as possible. Uh, and she says, Sana, we need to get out of this room now while Vader's distracted. Find some sort of hidey hole and wait until he leaves. And Sana's puzzled. I, I thought you wanted to steal stuff, Aphra. But what about that clone guy we're supposed to help? That clone guy, of course, being Boba Fett. I'm definitely still going to steal stuff. But if I have to choose between making a clone guy angry and getting anywhere near Darth Vader, sorry, clone guy, you lose. And then we cut back to Chewbacca, who is approaching Boba, who has now turned around to look at him. And he says to, to, to Chewbacca, you see these? And he's, of course, pointing to the braided Wookiee scalps, which uh, I, I have a very deep memory of when I got the 12-inch Boba Fett. Uh, I, guess, I don't know if it was 1980 or 81. Uh, and the fact that, you know, that they had those Wookiee scalps uh, as, as, part of, as part of the doll really just sort of blew my mind. Uh, and he goes, anyway, Boba Fett says, you see these? Maybe they look familiar. Maybe they're your uncles, your aunties. You're not the first Wookiee I fought. Now you know what happens when I do. And, of course, this enrages Chewbacca. Hurrah! And, you know, he reaches over and he grabs Fett by the breastplate and lifts him up. Ugh! And Lando says, easy, Chewie. You heard Leia quietly. And then... We cut to the next panel, and I, and I do like how these pages are broken up. It's just four equal panels, so it's kind of a, you're reading it in a, you know, left to right, diagonally down, left to right, the uh, manner. And, you know, then we have, you know, Jabba saying, I had the winning bid in Crimson Dawn's auction, one million credits. I own Solo. <coughs> you won the auction, not the Empire? And, of course, Sly Moore walks up. Lord Vader, the situation was complex. Fluid? No, it is simple. You failed, Administrator, and the Emperor will hear of it. Which probably explains why I didn't really see much of Sly Moore anymore. <laughs> so, uh, and then we cut back, and Chewie is now starting to choke Boba Fett. Let me go, or I'll cut myself a new braid. Uh, and, then, and then, literally, it's just, over the next couple of pages, it's just a lot of very quick, fast-moving panels that is breaking down essentially three or you know three storylines uh to bring us up to date here and we see job or we see vader 
You are mistaken, Java. Solo is not yours. You, everyone here, this ship, this planet, this sector, this empire, and everything in it belongs to the Emperor. And Java replies, very amusing, Lord Vader. And Leia's just like, get out of the way, Chewie. I don't have a clear shot because she, you know, she wants to she wants to take a shot at, at Boba Fett and just, just kill him right then and there. And Lando's like, Leia, no, a blaster shot will give us away. Bring hell down on us. Uh, down on us. But he needs our help because, you know, she wants to... You know, she, she's, she, she's being overcome. She wants to get Han. And Lando, of all people, is the voice of reason, which is not surprising given his history and his, and, and his leanings and his ability to survive. No, Fett knows the score too. That's why he's not using his blasters either. They have to fight hand-to-hand. And in that kind of fight, my money's on the Wookiee. And then he just turns on the final panel, looks out to you, the reader, as if you were Chewbacca, beat his ass Chewbacca <laughs> so, and of course that's where we get our our two-page uh, cover cover pay cover credits <laughs> and, and just you know what 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 ensues is we have two panels of Boba Fett and Chewie wrestling hard and then we have the dialogue between Vader uh, was not you know but and Jabba but I, actually you know it's just Vader because Jabba's not getting a word in edgewise the huts have a long-standing deal with the Empire you enjoy a most favored status among the galaxy's underworld denizens. But there are many here who could fulfill the same role. Black Sun, the Crimora. It does not have to be you, Jabba. The terms of any deal can be changed. You know this already. You remember another time we met not so long ago. That should ring a couple of bells, dear readers and listeners. I sense fear in you. In all of you. As we see, you know, uh, a front front look at Vader with the people in the uh, in the ballroom behind him, and then we cut back to the fight. Uh, looks like Chewie has got he's got Boba on his knees, uh, you know, and, and we have of course Fett going <laughs> and Chewie going, Rrr! and then it's Vader again, and Jabba replies, "This is outrageous. The Huts have been excellent partners to the Empire for many years. You cannot simply walk in here and threaten the great Jabba." Well, it's not Jabba doing it, but it's, you know, one of Jabba's uh, underlings. You cannot steal from us and call it charity. And Vader just goes, who is this being? Jabba looks over. The other hut's got a very solid smirk of smug satisfaction. No one. And now he's got a big frown. (laughs) So, meanwhile, Boba Fett lights Chewie on fire with his flamethrower. Even Lando's like, whoa! And Leia's Chewbacca! And then Lando... You know he, you know he has a begrudging respect for Chewie because he takes off his cape, throws it at Chewie to help put the flyer out. <laughs> so, and Leia's just like, "Where do you think you're going?" And you know, and because you know, Boba Fett's starting to walk. He goes, "Did you hear what Calrissian said? One blaster shot will get us all killed." And he disarms Leia, takes her pistol, and points it at her. And meanwhile, you know, Lando has got the cape around Chewbacca. The flames are extinguished, and Boba says, "Look." I don't need any more enemies. I realize we're after the same person, but I won't get in your way if you don't get in mine. I'm just trying to make a living. And Lando says, we, c- we can make a deal. I know you want to sell Han to Jabba. The Rebellion can cover that. Get you your credits back. Just help us get him back. No. I have a bounty, and I have a client. That's all it is, and it's all it's going to be. <laughs> Lando says, that's foolish. And, and Bobo replies, no, it's a code. Don't get in my way, he says, as he tosses the pistol back to Leia. 
Chewie, meanwhile, has recovered. He's still, you know, he's still feeling the effects. And Lanto is looking at his cape. It's now scorched. Damn it. I love this cape. Jabba, of course, realizes this is not going to end any... Anyway, it's not going to end well for him. Your position is persuasive, Lord Vader. Please take Solo with my compliments and my regards to Emperor Palpatine. A wise decision. Prepare Solo for transport, he says to the Death Troopers. And then we have another third panel. You smell that, Sana? Gross, like burned hair. Reminds me of when Black K got into a fight with Triple Zero and he gave him a shot from his flamethrower. Less reminiscing, more escaping, Afra. <laughs> and then as Vader is leaving the room, up on the balcony, where the visage of Han Solo frozen in carbonite is still located, along with Kira, she says to him, A word, Lord Vader. And she takes the steps down to meet him on the ground floor. You may take Han Solo, of course. We will not get in your way. But there is still the matter of the one million credits. Crimson Dawn must be made whole. If you wish to take the prize, you must assume the obligation. To which Vader says, ridiculous, you are owed nothing. Oh, is the Empire too poor to pay its debts? Or too cheap? Vader pauses, looks down, and then we get a small panel where he ignites his blade. And then we get an amazing full-page spread here of Kira as she pulls out her own weapons, drops the cloak behind her, and looks at Vader and says, Not everyone here is afraid of you, Darth Vader. And she begins her Terakazi to fight Vader. And Vader recognizes this. You have training. I recognize the lineage of your instruction. Do you, Lord Vader? Then you know you're in trouble. Who trained you? Who was your master? Someone who knew quite a bit about you, Lord Vader, and your master as well. Your skill does credit to your teacher, but you do not have the force, and your Tarascasi will not save you. We get that iconic look of Vader reaching out his hand to use the force to force choke. Sorry, Jeff, I can't pause it with this recorder. Almost a pity you must die. Few use these techniques in this time. And Kira's starting to choke, but she flicks the hilt of one of her, of her weapons, and little little uh, sort of, uh, I want to say like bomblets, fly out. All lit up, and Vader goes, a feeble attempt. But they detonate, and it blows Vader back, it blows Kira back, and Kira now is very upset. Nothing about me is feeble. Nothing. And then she connects her blades, you know, to sort of, uh, you know, essentially a staff now, to Vader, to which Vader says, in your world, perhaps, in mine, you barely exist. Meanwhile, Fett is there, and he's got his rifle clocked onto Vader's head. Steady. Steady. And then he has a flashback to The Empire Strikes Back, that scene on Cloud City, where Lando and Chewie and Han and Leia walked in to have supper, and there was Vader, and of course, Han being the ultimate friend, because he didn't even bother to shout, he just pulled out his gun and starts blasting. We see Vader block the shots, and Boba says, blast it. And then Vader just says, enough! Kathoom! And everybody goes flying! And Kira hits Han in carbonite. So she goes flying very hard. High. 
Vader, of course, is furious. Will anyone else tell me what I cannot do? As he starts slicing and dicing. I will take what I like. And he starts choking at Trandoshan. I will kill who I like. And he kills what looks to be a Quarren. And then he walks up to Kira. And the next will be you. A pity for such skill to go to waste. But you were a fool to challenge me. And now you will pay the... Wait. I sense... Skywalker. And that's where we have above Jakara, Luke and his X-Wing coming in above, you know, above the Vermilion. Leia, don't worry, I'm almost there. Hurry, Luke, I think we're running out of time. And of course, Margo gets, gets Lady Kira quickly, Lady Kira, while Vader is distracted. We have to get you away. I agree with you, Margo. I just, I just can't move that well. Perhaps I was a bit overconfident when it comes to Sith Lords. Vader is going to take Han Solo, that much is clear. And we knew this could happen. You know what you're going to have to do. Yes, Lady Kira, I do. And then Vader turns around because uh, General Ramadi says, Admiral Piet on the Executor informs me he has established a secure channel to the Rebel fighter, Lord Vader. It's patched into your local comms. Tight band, just you and the pilot, as you requested. Very good, General Ramadi. And then we cut to Luke in his X-Wing. Luke... I know you are near. I sense your presence. Oh no. We have unfinished un we have unfinished business, you and I. I have Captain Solo. For now he remains alive, frozen in carbonite. You will come to me, Luke, now. If you do not and this is where we get to our end page and it's a full page. And Vader has lifts, lifts his lightsaber up with both hands behind his back. Sk I will cut your friend in half. And we get a to be continued. So, very intriguing issue. We had the Kira Vader showdown. Uh, Kira, I thought, held her medal fairly well. Uh, it seems like Vader is almost a little too powerful, though, uh, of late. And maybe that uh, has a lot to do with his uh, development uh, in the pages of Darth Vader Volume Three, you know, where he made the made the run at the Emperor, uh, failed, and uh, you know is now realizing that he has got to obey Palpatine, hook, line, and sinker, and that's maybe perhaps that's given him more of an access to the dark side. Who knows? We'll find out. Thankfully, we don't have far to go because a lot of what we have just seen repeats, albeit from a different sort of view, uh, in the pages of Star Wars 16. So now here we have Star Wars number 16, Missing in Action, written by Charles Soule. The art is by Ramon Rosanas. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters are by Virtual Calligraphy's Clayton Coles. The main cover uh, is by Carlo Pagliulian. Excuse me, Carlo, again, I mangled your name. Carlo Pagliulian with Jason Paz and Rain Barredo. And then, of course, we have uh, variant covers by Chris Sprouse, Carl Story, and Niraj Menon, David Nakayama, Jan Dursima, and, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, new assistant editor here, Donnie Ka Danny Chasm and Tom Groneman, and Mark Panizia, of course, is editor. Uh, same crew for the Lucasfilm Story Group. And this one, this issue ties into War of the Bounty Hunters 3 with Luke traveling to Jakara to assist uh, Lando, Leia, and Chewbacca. And a lot of this uh, takes place before the events 
uh, that we saw in War of the Bounty Hunters, number three of five. We open up, we're in hyperspace en route to Chikara, and Luke is, I don't want to say he's reminiscing, but he's sort of replaying that pivotal battle with Darth Vader on Cloud City in his mind. I've gone over that battle that battle on Cloud City in my head a hundred times, R2. It was like fighting a storm, like one of those ripping, tearing gravel storms back on Tatooine, the kind that could strip you down to your bones. It was more than a lightsaber duel. Master Yoda taught me about those. This this was something else. And, and as he's talking about that, you know, we see Vader throwing uh, you know, the bins at him and uh, Luke having to sort of play target practice. Vader just didn't just fight me with his lightsaber. He used everything. And as he says that, you know, he gets, he takes a, a pernicious hit to the back, you know, with a piece of uh, uh, metal and, and machinery. Vader could hit me from any side. He ripped machines off the wall and threw them at me. Threw them at me. He, he used the force to knock me off balance, and, and his saber was always there, always pushing past my defenses. That red blade always coming for me. I, I couldn't even take a breath. Uh, it took everything I had to, to keep him off me. Fighting back? Forget it. And this is part of a, a really wonderful two-page spread because, you know, while he's talking about these events, the centerpiece is Luke uh, in the shadow of the, uh, of the glass uh, window. Uh, uh, you know, facing off against Vader with a lot of this enveloped in black. Everything I tried, every move Yoda taught me, Vader threw them all back in my face and hit me twice as hard. But that, that was the last time I survived. And I remember, and, and I learned, I could be a storm too, R2, and Luke does start fighting back. But, <laughs> you know, I think Luke, what we're seeing here is Luke is replaying it or playing it as how he thought it should have gone. Uh, you know, I'm stronger in the force than I was when I faced Vader on Bespin. And I, and I understand how he fights. And, you know, we see we see Luke pushing Vader against the wall. Ah! You know, we see Luke cutting off uh, Vader's hand, holding his lightsaber. This time it could be different. You know, and then we see Luke, you know, holding his blade up, you know, saying, I'm sorry. It looks like he's about to, you know, kill Vader. This time I'd have a chance. And then Vader says, which is why you fail, because Vader reaches up with his one good left hand and grabs Luke's arm. And then Luke says, this time, it would be different. And it looks like we see Vader pivot Luke's hand and slice him with his own blade, even as the remnants of his right hand are smoking. And Vader is on his knee. So Luke is still feel, feeling very much a lot of doubt. Who am I kidding, R2? Yoda was right. He was right when I left Dagobah, and he's still right today. Vader, too. And then we, again, we cut back to that, that, that truly iconic scene from The Empire Strikes Back, where we see Luke and Darth Vader in silhouette on, up on those steps to the gantry. The Force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. And then we cut back to Luke in his cockpit. Vader's waiting for me on Jakara. The Force made that clear. He must know Han's there, and he's expecting me to go after him. Leia and Chewie won't be able to handle him. I, I have to help them. I have to. I need advice. I need help. I need... Ben, please, if you can hear me, I... Blast it. I can barely touch the Force, R2. I, I can feel it, but it's like through static. I can't reach out to Ben. There's something in the way, and, and I think I know what it is. Fear. And that's where we cut to what we saw, sort of, uh, you know, as in leading up to the conclusion of War of the Bounty Hunters Three, is, you know, we're back on, J you know, in Jakara aboard the Familion, 
and Kira is trying to fend off Vader, uh, and you know, and 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 he is again repeating, "You have training, and I recognize the lineage of your instruction." And she says, "Do you, Lord Vader?" <laughs> Then you know you're in trouble, and it's nice to see the viewpoint, uh, you know, from this this fight from a from a different angle, and from a different creative team, at least in terms of artwork, because we're seeing it through the eyes of Leia, Lando, and Chewie, and Leia is watching this from the side. She, they're literally like it's like they're on the side of a stage. Who is she? And of course, Lando says that's Kira. Damn impressive woman. I knew her once. Han did too. And he looks up at Chewbacca. I thought maybe she'd be able to get free of Crimson Dawn. Looks like she took it in another direction. You know, and then of course Leia says, We have to get those we have to get to Han before those two hack him apart. And Lando says, Leia, if we head down there, we'll be the ones that get hacked apart. And if it's not Vader or Kira who does it, it'll be one of those other gangs. No one's just gonna let us take Han. Not to mention Boba Fett's still around here somewhere. He damn near killed Chewie, set him on fire. That's too much heat, if you ask me. To which Chewie agrees. Sorry, pal, I couldn't help myself. You're a coward, Calrissian. Howard, Han is right there. And, and Lando doesn't take the bait. I'm no coward. But I'm also no fool. Even Chewbacca agrees with me, and he's Han's best friend. Now, there's a lot of big fish down there, Leia. But Vader's the biggest, baddest fish of them all. And as, as Lando is saying this, we are seeing the, the fight between Vader and Kira. And the audience in the ballroom is just enwrapped, enwrapped, enwrapped by this by this struggle. Kira's holding her own, and that's something. But odds are she'll get herself killed, and Vader will march on out of here with Han. We just got to be smart about this. The three of us, with what we bring to bear, we just can't make this happen. Not right now. We'll find another way. We'll pick our moment. And Leia is just no, Lando. I'm picking this moment. We're too close. I can see Han, and I'm not letting him get away from me again. But you're right. We might not be able to stop Vader, but we've got a secret weapon. And she radios, Luke, do you read me? I do, Leia. I hope you're close. We need you. Vader's here, just like Han, just like you warned us. He's going to take Han unless we can stop him. From what you've told me, he wants you more than anyone else in the galaxy. Do you think you can distract him, hold him off? I just need enough time to get Han out of the Carbonite, then we can get him to the Falcon and away. She pauses and she closes her eyes and looks down. And Luke replies, Absolutely, Leia. Just dropping out of hyperspace above Jakara now. Should be there soon, unless I run into any trouble. And as he says this, there's the executor <laughs> in orbit over Jakara. And <laughs> we get a beep. Great page here, by the way. Just, again, with the star field and the planet fall and the ships and the engines all alit. Uh, you know, of course, and it's not just the executor; it's the other ships as well. You know, it's Black Sun, it's Chimora. You know, it, there's so many you know, hut ships. Boop! You said it, R2. How are we going to get past that? And that's where we cut to the Imperial Super Star Destroyer Executor, Admiral Piat, a ship just dropped out of hyperspace. Another bit of criminal filth come to join the party, Commander. Let us hope Lord Vader orders the extermination of every last one of these vermin once his business is complete on the surface. No, sir, it's a single fighter, T-65, an X-Wing. A rebel ship, all by itself out here. How interesting. Scramble a fighter wing. If they can push the ship into tractor beam range, we'll pull it aboard and interrogate the pilot. And if not, we'll watch a rebel burn. 
And of course, we see this. We see the wing of ties come launching out of the bay. And Luke is just, whoa, shields up, R2, configuring S-foils to attack position. And we get some great star star piloting here. You know, give me a targeting solution. I can't fight them all at once. So I'll have to try to pick them off one by one. You know, beep, beep, beep. Even if I got past them, they'd stay on my tail. I'd never be able to land. Nope. Can't get down to the planet yet. I've got to get us. I got to get out of this first, R2. One way or another. And Luke is just being sworn by these ties. You're boom. Wow. I know, R2. They just winged us, but that was too close. We got to figure something out. There are plenty of other ships here from all the other gangs Crimson Dawn invited to Han's, act, Han's, Han's auction. Most of them hate the Empire as much as any rebel, but all they need is an excuse. Let's see if we can give them one. See if you can reroute any systems running through that hole in our wing, R2. I have a feeling we'll need everything we've got to pull this off. And then we cut to the interior of the Sontul Pride War Cruiser Dark Syndicate. An X-Wing being chased by TIE fighters. Should we shoot them? Believe me, I'd love to, but we can't attack the can't attack the Empire, you idiot. Not unless they give us an excuse. Not unless they attack us first. And then, of course, Luke dives down deep, skims the hull of the Dark Syndicate. The ties fire, and you know what's going to happen here. They miss, and what do they hit? The Sontul Pride War Cruiser Dark Syndicate. Well, what do you know? Few Imperial shots happen to hit our hull. Good enough for me. In these blasted buckethead imps. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, we see the undercarriage of the uh, dark of, of the cruiser, and a lot of ships come flying out of the uh, landing bay. <laughs> and Luke is like, "Whoa, maybe this worked too well." Uh, and those ships, which look a lot like A-wings, but they're heavily modified, start blasting ties very heavily, and that gives Luke the distraction that he needs. Punch it, R2. We gotta get out of here. Down to the planet while we've got the Imperials distracted. See if you can open a channel to our friends. Whoop whoop. Thanks, pal. Leia, don't worry. I'm almost there as he starts to make planet fall. And again, we see the shimmering planet below. It's just so gorgeously rendered and illustrated here. And then we cut back to the battle. Uh, at this point, uh, Vader has uh, dropped Kira. She's on the ground. Her weapons uh, have been knocked loose. And Leia says, hurry, Luke. I think we're running out of time. And Lando is just like, oh, Kira. I don't know if you deserve better than this, but I do wish it had gone another way for you. Because he's pretty convinced that Kira is about to die. You know, and, and Chewie goes, Rua! and we get. You know, Lando explains, Kira brought this on herself, Chewie. I'm not throwing my life away for her. She sure as hell wouldn't do it for me, and she wouldn't do it for you either. And then we cut to you know that scene that we saw in War of the Bounty Hunters, where Vader is talking to Kira, and he says, a pity for such a skill to go to waste. But you were a fool to challenge me, and now you will pay the... Wait, I sense Skywalker. And he, and he turns his head away from Kira while he says this. And then, of course, you know, this is where we, uh, we've seen this, but now we're getting it from a, a different angle because, for example, we're, you know, this page, we're on the bridge of the executor. And, you know, they're watching, they're watching the Suntool Pride. You know, the Suntool Pride, pathetic. Who do they think they are? You may fire when ready, Commander. Very good, Admiral. And the Star Destroyer just outright destroys the Dark Syndicate. <laughs> you know, just boom. Kathoom. Excellent shot. Perhaps that will serve as an object lesson for the rest of the scum. The Empire tolerates their existence because they serve a purpose, but that does not mean they may do as they please. Sometimes we must scrape the scum off our boots. Well said, sir, uh, of Admiral Piet's uh, remarks. Admiral Piet is approached by an officer. Transmission from the surface concerning the lone X-Wing, Admiral. Ah, yes, they must have seen it on their scopes. 
Tell Lord Vader's people that we're handling it. I'll send more fighters right now. Respectfully, sir, Lord Vader has requested that you establish a direct comms line between him and the fighter on an, uh, on an unencrypted hailing channel. What? That makes no sense. I have it right here, Admiral Piat. And no more ties, apparently. According to this, he wants this pilot alive. And, of course, we see Luke starting to approach the Vermilion. He's uh, broken Atmo. And Vader is talking to Ramadi. Again, this is what we've seen. You know, Admiral Piat on the Executor informs me he has established a secure channel to the Rebel, Fidel, Rebel Fighter, Lord Vader. It's patched into your local comms. Tight band, just you and the pilot, as you requested. Very good, General Ramadi. Luke, I know you are here. I sense your presence. Oh, no. We have unfinished business, you and I. And then we cut to that scene from The Empire Strikes Back where Vader cuts off Luke's hand. I have Captain Solo for now. He remains alive, frozen in carbonite. You will come to me, Luke. Now, if you do not, I will cut your friend in half. And what's very interesting here is after he says this, we slide down into another panel where we see one of the ventilation shafts that Luke had slid out of uh, you know, to, to uh, exit Cloud City until he was rescued by Leia and Lando and Chewie. But in this image, in this vision, Luke has been sliced in half. So we see his legs and his, uh, you know, going bef in before him and behind his legs. You know, we see Luke with his arms and his torso, you know, cauterized. And Leia is watching from, again, the side of the stage, and she sees Vader, you know, making these... She sees him making these threats. She can't hear him. But she sees Vader holding up his lightsaber at Han's head. Luke, we need you right now. Vader's going to kill Han. Luke, meanwhile, has yet to land. He's still circling. I know, Leia. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm not ready to face him. And, you know, we see him just outside the Vermilion, and it looks like he is turning away, and we get a to-be-continued. So, sets it up very interesting uh, to see what's going to happen in the pages of War of the Bounty Hunters, number four or five. Uh, but I'm also very curious to see... Uh, what's going to go down when we get Darth Vader number 15 and of course Dr. Aphra number 13 uh, next week so uh, solid issues both uh, you know a little little bit too much overlap I thought this this time but that's okay you know we, we expected that you know that's no one can be surprised by that so so looking ahead what do we have coming out August 25th well we have Darth Vader number 15, which should be of no surprise to anybody. We have Dr. Aphra number 13, which again should be of no surprise to anybody. For you trade readers, uh, we are getting uh, Star Wars The High Republic Volume 1. There is no fear. Uh, so finally, not complaining about that, uh, but if you are a trade reader, you are going to enjoy very much reading the first five issues of Star Wars. Uh, the High Republic. Uh, you know, it's going to be... It was worth the wait, I think. So, uh, And... <laughs> that seems to be about it. So, should be a good week. Uh, going to be some tie-ins, and I'll be curious to see what Dr. Aphra and Sana find in the bowels of the Vermilion as uh, Aphra tries to find a good hidey hole <laughs> to keep away from Darth Vader. So, let's go and see what happens. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Jeff will be back next week. I certainly hope he'll be back next week. So, 
for Star Wars Splash Page. I'm Jeff. No, I'm not Jeff. I'm Matt. And this is where Jeff would say, May the Force be with you. And this is where I would say, Always. The Star Wars Splash Page theme song is Mark Hamill Can Handle by Chris Cape. Check Chris out at chriscape.com and on SoundCloud, on Twitter at chriscape, and on Facebook. Stop peeing. Mom, that's Megan. Answer it.